Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. If you have a Bible, if you will turn with me over to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. We're going to go back to the book of Numbers and look at a passage of Scripture this morning. Uh, God's people and what God was doing back in Numbers chapter 13. Have you ever, I want to begin with a question though, have you ever heard that you know that you know that you know that you know that you have heard from God on something? Have you ever experienced God where you're like, oh yes God, I know that that was you speaking, but yet in those moments right after that is when the enemy always brings the attack to the fullness that's just how the Lord works, or that's just how the enemy works against the Lord, is whenever the Lord speaks, it's always right after that that the enemy distorts the word of the Lord. And one of the things the enemy does is he tries to get as close as possible to what the Lord said, so it's not totally obvious, the attacks that he's bringing. And so we see this over and over and over and over and over all throughout time, and what God has done, the enemy gets as close as possible, but yet it's just a little bit different so that there, if we follow that, it's disobedient. The other thing the Lord or the enemy always does against the work of the Lord is he tries to add some type of enticement to that. And so he makes it look a little better than what the Lord has called or what the Lord has spoken. And so therein is this tension that I want to talk about this morning. In the hard times of our life, we have to know what God is saying to us. Amen? We have to know what God is saying to us. Because if we have not discerned what God has said, then whatever the enemy throws at us, that could be as close, there's an enticement, there is some type of, of uh, fake pleasure that the enemy attaches to that. And so here we get to Numbers chapter 13. It's about 3,400 or so years ago. God sent Moses to deliver his children who were slaves in Egypt. And God said to his people through Moses, I am going to deliver you. Now this is cause for celebration. This is a joyous time. Because no longer are God's children going to be slaves, but instead they are going to be set free. And so the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to take you out of Egypt, away from the bondage of Pharaoh, and I'm going to take you to a land that I am going to give you. And this land that I'm going to take you, is go to, take you to is going to flow with milk and honey. And so here they finally start out on this journey. They have seen Pharaoh say, okay, if you want to go, I'm going to let you go. 
But then Pharaoh says, I'm going to change my mind. You've got to stay. God sends the ten plagues. He declared this. So this was, this was nothing that God didn't uh, send a warning about. He sends the ten plagues on Egypt. Then the Israelites finally get free, and they get to the edge of the Red Sea, and in front of them is this sea that they cannot cross, and behind them are Pharaoh's armies, and the armies are coming to devour them. The Lord miraculously parts the Red Sea. All God's children walk, the thousands and thousands and thousands of them walk across on dry land. They don't get one drop of water on them. When Pharaoh's armies get in the middle of the Red Sea, the waters devour them. Let me tell you, these people have seen the hand of God at work. And if we were to look at what happened and we were to experience those things, we would probably have some type of holy pride inside of us and say, man... If I saw what God did there at the Red Sea, there's no way in the world that I would not follow what the Lord said to me. If I went through the plagues that affected Pharaoh and Egypt, there's no way in the world that I would be disobedient to what the Lord said. Now remember, Moses met with God at the top of the mountain. They saw they saw the presence of the Lord or the, the evidence of the presence of the Lord from a distance. God had given Moses the Ten Commandments. And if Moses came down with the commandments and said, I've heard from God, they saw the evidence of that, we would say, how could you not listen to what God has been saying to you? God actually fed them. When they were in the wilderness. How could you be disobedient when there's no food around and there's no water and God has given you food and given you water miraculously? But then we get to Numbers chapter 13. Look in Numbers chapter 13 at verse 1 and 2 here. Or 1, 2, and 3 here. The Lord said to Moses. That, that's just amazing to me. The Lord said to Moses, God has been speaking to his children through Moses all through this journey. And here they are on the edge of the land that God said, I'm going to give you. I'm going to lead you to this land. Miraculous sign after miraculous sign God has showed them. And then again, the Lord speaks to Moses. And this is what he said. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. And then he goes on and he gives all of their names. And these leaders from their tribes go down into the land that the Lord has given to them. They're no longer slaves. This is a cause for celebration. They finally arrive. There's nobody saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Any longer. They have arrived at the destination. 
This is celebrating moment here. This is a time to rejoice. This is the time to sing. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Because they have reached the place that God said, I am going to give you and you no longer have to be slaves. This is a cause for the greatest party of all parties to actually happen. Back in May, I was having problems. You can go back and look at some of the videos. And you can see that I was starting to hold my Bible down here to read. And I would have to turn in a right direction so that the light back here could hit it because the further away that I got it, it was harder to read, but I could only read it if it got further away. And so finally, after a few weeks, when I was having to print my uh, Bible verses larger and put them on my iPad, I said, I've got a problem, and I just have to go get some glasses. So I set up an appointment, I go down, I get my eyes checked, and they say, yep, your eyes have gotten a lot worse. You need a new pair of glasses. What was happening to me was my eyes were having problems focusing. If I held up here, my eyes were trying to focus on the words, but they just couldn't focus on the words that were on the paper. And I would hold it down here, and the words would be so small, but that was the only place that I could read them. The only thing that helped me was a new pair of glasses. You see, I was having problem focusing on what was right in front of me. In the same way that the Israelites here, we will see, was having a problem focusing on what was right in front of them. They, did, they heard from the Lord. When they finally get to the promised land, it's time to focus on what God has said and go in and take possession of it. This is a cause for celebration. And then we get to verse 27. Let's go back to 26. They came back to Moses. So these are the 12 leaders from the, the different tribes. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. So there, I would say after that, the Lord was right. Right? If you've heard from God, and the Lord says, you're going to get to this land, it's going to flow with milk and honey, and then you have no clue where you're going. There's no map. There's no GPS. You have no clue where you're going. And you finally get there. And what the Lord said was true. This would be the time to celebrate. This would be the time to say, yep, this is it. The Lord has proven himself true. But that's not the account that they give. They said, here is this fruit in verse 28. But, but, the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amicalites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. When Caleb then, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. You know why Caleb said that? Because his focus 
was on what God said and not what was physically in front of him. If God speaks, you have to hear his voice and know that you've heard from God because here what's happening is the enemy is distorting the evidence in the physical to ten spies that they come back and say, yes, but what God said is true, but the people that live there are powerful. There are even descendants of a knock there. These big people that we can't go and take this land. And Caleb says, yes, but what God said has been proven to us. We have to go now and take possession of the land. Then in verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. They were scared out of their lives because of some people. And we read this and we think, oh my goodness. I would have been on the side of the two spies that came back and said, yes, let's go at once. Let's take possession of the land because what the Lord said was true. We would think right now, looking back, yes, God did lead you. Yes, you did see Pharaoh's armies devoured by the Red Sea. Yes, you did receive food and water from the Lord. Yes, you did see the survival of your people from the ten plagues that weren't affected by this. And only the Egyptians, you did see the miraculous hand of God lead you. Yes, we're here. Let's go take possession. That's how we would be thinking in our prideful selves right now. But let me ask you this question. Why is it that you give in to the lies of the enemy? And why is it that you remain in the bondage that you are in when you have known that God has been at work in your life? We're not a lot different. We're not a lot different from these ten spies who came back and said, Yes, God did speak this, but there is a problem. Yes, God did say, let's go. And yes, God did say there was going to be milk and honey. And yes, I have tasted the milk and honey, but I still have a problem in my life. What has God said to you that you have discounted because of the issues that you face in your life? That makes us just like these ten spies. Listen, God has clearly spoken to us six dreams that he has verified over and over and over and over again. And you know what? As I go back and I look at our history as a church, I see every, I, I had no clue what, that these would, be, uh, uh, these would be rooted in our history from decades ago. But every single one, when we go through these, I could take you to history from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, even some in the early 80s. And over and over and over again, every one of these are rooted in our history as a congregation. God proving that he has dreamed these for decades for us as a congregation. And I say to us as a congregation, if God has spoken are we going to allow the uh, lies from the enemy? Are we going to allow the, uh, the, the Amicalites? Are we going to allow the Canaanites? Are we going to allow the Jebusites from around us prevent us from going and taking possession of God's dreams for us as a church? Absolutely not. 
I say we're standing on the edge of the promised land that God has given to us. I say that we are standing looking at the future that God has dreamed for us. And we can't stop here. We have to go at once, like Caleb said, and take possession of that which God has dreamed for us. This is our moment, Whitechapel Church. This is the time that God has said, I am bringing the dreams from the, century, or the, from the decades of the past into the now because if he dreamed it, if he dreamed it, it has to come to pass. The time for us is now. The time for us is to make sure whatever the cost, whatever happens, we're going to be like Caleb and say, yes, we have to go now and take possession of it. But take a look at Numbers chapter 14. Take a look at what happened. These people experience the miracles of God. And then we get to Numbers 14. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. They wept, they grumbled, and they begged to go back. They experienced the presence of God. But yet when it gets hard... They wept, they grumbled, and they begged to die in the desert. You see, they were focusing on the wrong thing. They weren't focusing on the land that flowed with milk and honey. They were instead focusing on the physical that was in front of them. And here is what always happens to us. Whenever we focus on the physical, instead of focusing on what God has said for us, it derails our train, our spiritual train. And when you're derailed, it takes time to get the train back on the tracks so that you can move forward. Listen, we have to make certain that we have heard from the Lord and be so committed to what he has said to us that nothing is going to derail us. We can't be like the ten spies here and focus on the negative. We have to focus on what God has said. But you know how we live? This is how we live. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. And if you're focusing on the wrong thing, then this is how you live your life. Oh, gloom is me. May as well just give up. Because if it can go wrong, it is going to go wrong. And so I may as well just not live right because everything's going to go wrong. We're focusing on the negative. And you know how we live? We live the way that they used to live in Hee Haw. Yeah. Gloom, despair. Gloom, despair. Agony on me. That's how we live our life. Some of you are like, hee-haw? What's hee-haw? <laughs> Every Sunday night, 7 o'clock, we didn't have TiVo, and we had to get home from church. The preacher preached long. We needed to get home because hee-haw was coming on. 
But we live our life like this, focusing on the wrong thing sometimes. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. So why do I need to do right if everything's going to do wrong? Yeah, that's just like the 10 spies right here in Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. We don't need to go into the land. We don't need to listen to what God says. These people are too big for us. So let's wail, let's murmur, and let's give up, and let's just die here in the desert. Listen, I am so committed to God's dreams for us as a church. I'm not willing to die in the desert. I'm not willing to murmur, and I'm not willing to cry. I am willing to go forward and take possession of that which God has dreamed for us as a congregation. And I think that God is looking for a group of people that says, I'm not going to focus on how hard it is. I'm not going to focus on the descendants of Anak. I'm not going to focus on the Canaanites. I'm not going to focus on the Jebusites. I'm not going to focus on anything other than what God has said, and that which he has said is what I am willing to do. So this morning, I'm asking you to put on your glasses so that you can focus on what God has been saying to us as a congregation. I'm asking you to come out of Numbers 13 and Numbers 14, and I'm asking you to stop focusing on the hard parts, and let's focus on the milk and honey that God has promised to us. Because if we focus on the negative, we will never be the people that God wants us to be. Amen? We have to focus on that which God has spoken and that alone. Nothing else. That's why we have to hear the voice of God. That's why we have to discern the voice of God. Because if we miss hearing God's voice, then what happens is we're going to focus on all the giants. We're going to focus on the big people, and we are not going to focus on the milk and honey and the supply that God has, the provision that God has given to us. Jacob and or Joshua and Caleb were focusing on the land that flowed with milk and honey. In verse 30 of chapter 13, they said, yes, let's go. Let's go now. God has said this. I have seen this, and this is our moment. But they listened to the ten. They murmured. They wailed all night long. And they said, let's just die out here in the desert. And you know what happened? The Lord granted their wish. Because every single one of them died off over the next 40 years before God's promises to them came true, before God's dreams to them came true. See, God has dreams for us. God has dreams for you. When God was knitting you together in your mother's womb, he was dreaming of your potential. He was dreaming of the plans that he had for you. And he took this bit of DNA, and he took this bit of DNA, and he wove them together. He took these cells, and he took these cells, and he intertwined them. And inside of the core of who you are lie the dreams that God had for you before you ever even took your first breath. You see, I believe that God doesn't make junk. And I believe that God doesn't do anything wrong. And we can look at people and we can say, oh, they've got some giants in their life. They have got some hard stuff in their life. But you know what? 
We're focusing on the wrong thing. We have to focus on what God has said. Just as we do in the church, we do that in our own lives. And listen, a lot of us have been dealt some junk in life. There's no secret about that. A lot of us have been treated unfairly in life. And a lot of us have faced mountains that seemed as if it were impossible to climb them. But you know what? Whenever you look at the mountain, you will never get to the peak. But whenever you look in the face of God and listen to His voice, you will always come out on the other side. God is in control. And God has dreams for you. And God has a plan and a purpose for you. So who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the ten people in your life that say, oh, you may as well give up. I don't know how you're ever going to get through this. I don't know what's possible. I don't know how you'll ever be able to be successful. You've gone through this in life. You've gone through this financially. You've gone through this in your marriage. You've gone through this with your kids. You've gone through this with your job. You've gone through this with your house. You've gone through this. You've gone through this. You've gone through this. There's no way in the world that you're ever going to be able to come out on the other side. And if you want to listen to those people, there's lots of people around that you can listen to. Lots of people. If you don't believe me, just get on Facebook, get on Instagram, get on whatever insta.com you ever want to find. And all of those people are going to speak into your life. And you can listen to those people if you want. And you can say, well, let's just die out here in the desert. I give up because I'm going to focus on the giants in my life. But I think that we have to be like Joshua. And I think that we have to live out the verse that says, choose you this day who you are going to serve. Are you going to listen to the one that knit you together in your mother's womb? Are you going to discover the dreams that God has for you? Are you going to respond to his voice? Or are you just going to look at the mountains and say, I may as well give up because everybody else says that I may as well give up. There are grapes in our lives. Just like Joshua and Caleb came back and said, there's some awesome grapes down there. Let's go. Let's go into this land. You can focus on the grapes or you can focus on the giants. They're going to be everywhere that you go. But the difference is who it is you're focusing on. We have to be a people focused exclusively on God. We can't focus on ourselves. We can't focus on other people. We can't focus on mountains. We can't focus on giants. We have to focus on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So God wants us to know in these times, though, that we can't save ourselves. As the people of God were standing on the edge of the promised land, they were getting ready to go into the land that God had prepared for them. They had the option of listening to God and being obedient, or they had the option of stepping back and saying, no, that's not what I want to do. You know what's no different from them to us? There are always giants in our lives. There's always going to be giants in our lives. Always, always, always. You think if I get a little bit more money, I'm over that giant in my life. You think if my spouse would just be a little bit better to me, I'll be over that giant in my life. I don't think that, by the way. I don't think that. You think if I could just have a better car, or if I just had a better house, if I just had a better job, then everything's going to be good in my life. Oh, no, it's not. Because there's just going to be another giant. But you know what the giants do in our life? The giants cause us to rely on God. Because if you could defeat the giants, then you would get all of the credit. 
And I don't need any, we don't need any credit. The Lord did not, the Lord did not ask us to build this house. The Lord said, I'm going to build a house. And people back in the 60s were obedient. And they said, yes, let's listen to the Lord. Because the Lord has dreamed this. Let's do it. Let's go at once. And let's build it. You see, they were not focusing on the giant or the tension that they had. They were listening to the voice of the Lord. In Numbers chapter 11, Numbers chapter 12, Numbers chapter 13, and Numbers chapter 14. We could even go all the way to Numbers chapter 21. What we see are a people that are focusing on the giants instead of focusing on what God has clearly spoken to them. Rick Warren um, is a pastor, a very famous pastor at Saddleback Church, used to be a lifeguard. And in one of his books, he wrote about his experience as a lifeguard. He said, one of the things that all lifeguards know is that you can't save anybody as long as they're trying to save themselves. The reason why is because they will take you under the water with you. If somebody is drowning and they're flailing around in a panic, the lifeguard knows just to stay back for a few seconds and wait until they give up. Once they give up, then it's really easy. You just put their arm over your shoulder, keep their head out of the water, and you swim back to shore. There's really nothing to it. But you can't save them as long as they're trying to save, them, save themselves. You know, that's true spiritually as well. As long as we're trying to save ourselves, the Lord's going to say, go ahead and do it. I'm going to let you try to save yourself. As long as we want to work out the tensions in our life, and as long as we want to defeat the giants in our life on our own, the Lord will let us do that. But what we will discover is that we will always fail. Oh, you may find a victory here or there. You may be able to overcome a giant here or there. Or you may be able to get over a hurdle or a mountain occasionally. But there's eventually going to be a giant, a hurdle, or a mountain that's going to stop you. And in that moment, in that moment, the reminder from the Lord is, I was there all the time. All you needed to do is stop fighting and let me fight your battles for you. The purpose of the giants, the purpose of the mountains, are to cause us to rely on God because we can't save ourselves. The only one that can save us is Jesus Christ. God wants to deliver us from all the hurts of our lives. God wants to deliver us from all of the bondage in our life. God wants to set us free so that we are able to achieve the dreams that he intended for each and every one of us. He wants to save us for his purpose and for his glory. So we have to stop trying to save ourselves and we just have to start focusing on him and being obedient to the things that he has actually spoken to us. Take a look at Numbers chapter 14. Verse 8 and 9. This is, um, this is um, um, Joshua and Aaron who's speaking here. He says, If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and He will give it to us only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because he will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. Here they're stepping forward and saying, let's go. 
We've got to get our focus right so that we are being obedient to what the Lord has actually spoken. We have to make sure that we are listening to what he says and then we're going and doing that. And he, here, here they're actually saying, we've got to get our eyes on the right thing. Let's not look at the people. Let's not look at the mountains. Let's not look at the hurdles. But instead, let's look full into Jesus' face and then respond to what it is that he has said to us. But how is it, how is it that they knew? How is it that they were certain that they were actually doing the right thing? Well, the answer is in Numbers chapter 13, verse 2. We read it a little bit earlier. In verse 2 of Numbers chapter 13, it says this. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan. Here it is. Which I am giving to the Israelites. Did you, did you catch that? The Lord spoke, I want you to put these people in the land that I have promised to them. They knew because they had heard the voice of God. Listen, if you are not listening for the voice of God in your life, if you are not making place in a physical place, and if you are not making a time place in your life to hear the voice of God, then you will never defeat the giants in your life. It's never going to happen. Only after you start hearing the voice of God and listening to what it is that He says, then you go forward. But you know what happens to some of us? We allow the enemy to press us with time and to think, well, I've got to make a decision now. I have to know by Thursday at noon because I have to make sure that I've got this done by Thursday at noon. And you know what happens? We rush about the week. We think we're trying to hear from God. We may be even pressing in and we may be listening, but God hasn't spoken. And Thursday at noon gets here and we think, well, I've got to make a decision. I've got to make a decision. So we make a decision. And you know what happens? We've left the Lord out of that equation. You know what we should be doing? If Thursday at noon gets here and we have to have a decision and the Lord hasn't spoken, you know what we say? I haven't heard from the Lord and so I can't make a decision. You know, people are going to think you're a little crazy. People are going to think you're a little out of your mind. And you know what they're probably going to say? You mean you hear from the Lord? Well, yeah. Jesus said, my sheep, in John chapter 14 and 15, my sheep hear my voice. I can hear God's voice. Now, I, I don't hear an audible voice. None, none of us hear an, an audible voice. We don't hear God boom speaking in our life. But when you sit with the Lord and you have uninterrupted time with him, you can discern what it is that God is saying to you. That will often be confirmed more often than not, be confirmed by other people in your life. And if it's time for a decision, if it's Thursday at noon, if that decision point comes and God hasn't spoken, then you don't make a decision. This is how we have to be as people of God. This is how we have to be as leaders of God's church. This is how we have to be in every single area of our life. We can't get ahead of God. If God doesn't speak, then we don't move. If God speaks, then we go in the way that he has led us. We have to be a people just like Joshua and Caleb said. I have to do what God has spoken. They said, God has spoken. Let's go up at once and take possession of that land. 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who speaks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. I shared this passage of scripture with you at the end of last week in how we reflect Jesus Christ. If God doesn't speak, then we can't reflect that decision. But whenever we ask and seek and knock, he will begin to reveal to us what it is that he desires for us. We have to be the people that God wants us to be. There's no other option as individuals and together as Whitechapel Church. But in order to do that, we have to keep the right focus in our life. And that is an ear tuned to what God is actually saying. You can say, well, Pastor Michael, you're just focusing on all the positives of life. You're you're just being too positive in this. You're not focusing on the negatives. You're not focusing on what I have seen in my life. You're not focusing on the mountains of your life. You're not, or in my life. You're not focusing on the hard things of my life. You're not focusing on all of this stuff. You have not seen or you've not experienced what God has. And so you're just being too positive and you're not focusing on the negative. Folks, this is not a positive or negative thing. This is not just picking out the good stuff in life and celebrating those things. Yes, it was hard for these people. And yes, there were giants that were in front of them that if they went into that land on their own strength, they would have devoured them. But they weren't going with God, or they weren't going on their own strength. God intended for them to go with His strength. Even Joshua and Caleb said, The Lord has removed their covering. They don't have any protection any longer. So let's go and take possession of this land. You see, it's not a positive or a negative thing. It's not all the pluses and not all the minuses. It's not get a piece of paper and write down all the good and write down all the bad and then make a decision based off of what's on the piece of paper. The decision to be made is not positive or negative. The decision has been made by God. We just listen to what God says and then go do that. That's how we live lives that overcome mountains and hurdles and overcome giants in our life. That's how we operate a church that overcomes the hurdles, the mountains, and the giants that we face as a church. That's how we as church leaders have to operate. That's how we as individuals have to operate because that's what God has commanded us to do. And we can say, I've got the good, or I've got the bad, or I've got positives, or I've got minuses in my life. Do you know what the promise of God is in Genesis chapter 20, 50? Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 is? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see how God specializes? He takes the bad and turns it into good. Do you know how God operates in our lives? He takes the giants and destroys them and turns it into good. You see, the enemy brings bad into your life. The enemy intends to harm you, but God always takes that and turns it into good for his glory and his honor. You see, those giants, the tension in those giants in your life, 
the tension from the mountains that you face in your life, those hard situations in your life where you don't know what to do and it seems as if it's impossible to go forward, those are there and the enemy intends to harm you with those. But God has them there for good. So who are you going to listen to? All the ten spies around you? Are you going to listen to what God has actually said to you? Even Paul has reminded us of how God works in our lives in the book of Romans chapter 8. And he says, God is at work in our lives. God's going to bring good in our lives. And we take that, we could look at the New Junk Translation. I made that up this morning. That was funny, laugh. There's not a Bible called the New Junk Translation. Thank you, thank you. It says, and we know that in all things God works. Therefore, dearly beloved, everything is going to be good in your life and you won't have any worries or trouble. That's why that's the New Junk Translation. But you know what we do? We read Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and that's how we translate it. We think, if God's at work in my life, I'm not going to have any trouble and everything's going to be all good in my life. That's a lie from the enemy. Did God take the giants away from his children in the book of Numbers? Nope. They were still there. Did God say to his children, whenever you get to the edge of the promised land, and whenever you look over into that land, it's going to be right there, ready, all you got to do is walk into it? Nope, that's not what God said. But we live our lives like this junk translation of the Bible. Everything's going to be good in our life, and you're not going to have any troubles. But you know, what, how, you know how that's actually written? It says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know what the purpose of Paul writing this verse is? It's the yellow part. God works. God is at work in your life. If you've got giants, God's at work. If you don't have giants, God's at work. If you face mountains, God is at work. If you don't face mountains, God is at work. If you have tension in your life, God is at work. If you don't have tension, God is at work. What we have to do is figure out where God is at work and then join him in that work. We cannot start to try to make something happen and say, hey God, can you come over here? I've got something going on and I need you to bless what I'm doing over here. That's not how God works. God says, I'm going to do a work. Are you going to join me or are you going to stay over there by yourself? The option for us is to see the good that God is working and then join him in that work. Listen, God is at work in the tension of your life. Are you going to give up when it gets hard? Are you going to give up when you face giants? Are you going to give up when there are hurdles or there are mountains and everything gets hard? Or are you going to stay the course and join God in the work that he has for you? Listen, God is at work in your life despite the circumstances. Mountains, no mountains. Giants, no mountains. God is at work. We have to focus on what God is doing and then come and join God in that work. Not try to make up our own work. That's how we have to be committed. That's how we have to live our lives. That's how we have to run our families. That's how we have to operate a church. And that's how we become obedient people of God. You see, the ten spies here in the book of Numbers were ready to make their own work. 
You see, by the time we get to chapter 14, they were already crafting a plan to go back and be slaves under Pharaoh. They wanted to die in the desert. They said, this thing that God has given to us, it's not worth it to go in there. I'd rather die back in the desert. I'd rather go back and be a slave under Pharaoh. Listen, they were making their own work, and then they were going to say, God, can you come and you help us out over here? That's not the work of God. That's a lie from the enemy. And we can choose to focus on the good that God is doing, or we can focus on the negative. So my question for you is, what is your focus? What is your focus in life? Is your focus the way the ten spies were here in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, chapter 13? Is your focus on what God is doing in your life? And all the good, despite the hard, all the good that's coming about in your life. And how God is crafting you and God is molding you into this bold, mighty figure to accomplish the dreams that he dreamed for you and the dreams that he has dreamt for his church. So how is it that we overcome? How is it that we overcome these things? Jesus said in John chapter, John chapter 16, verse 33, I've told you these things so that in me you, have, may, in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Take heart, Jesus said. I have overcome the world. How is it that we become overcomers? We just hang out with Jesus. That's it. How refreshing is that in life? You just have to hang out with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Because as we spend time with Jesus and listen to him, all of a sudden the giants don't seem so tall. Because the guy that we're hanging out with is a whole lot bigger than the giants and the mountains and the hurdles. And the guy that we're listening to, Jesus, as he starts to speak his peace over us that he promised in John chapter 16, all of a sudden, the confusion, the dissension, the division, and the mess of the world doesn't seem so bad. Because we're not stuck in that. We're just spending time with Jesus. Listen. If your world seems chaotic right now, if your life seems like a mess right now, then what you have to do is to step out of the mess and the giants and the hurdles and the mountains, and you've got to step into the presence of Jesus because it's in the presence of Jesus that Jesus said, you will have peace. In me, you may have peace. If you want to hang out with the obstacles, the hurdles, the giants, the mountains of your life, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Hang out with all of this stuff in life. You are going to have trouble. But Jesus said, I've overcome the world. I'm going to, if we hang out with Jesus, we can experience his presence. If we sit with Jesus and we listen to his voice and we discern what it is that he's saying to us, then and only then will we have peace. How is it that you overcome the world? You don't. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. You see, you can't overcome the giants in life. You can't overcome the hurdles in life. You can't climb life's mountains. That's why Jesus came. 
because he overcame the world. All we have to do is go forward in his peace. So how is it that we do this? We just spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus and listen to his voice. Spend time with Jesus, hear his voice, and then be obedient. And that's what he's called us to do. Is your life life filled up with troubles? Is your life overwhelmed by giants? Is your life full of mountains and it seems like you just don't have the strength to climb? Listen, that's exactly where God wants you. Because today, he's here and he says, come to me. Come on, come to me. Get out of the troubles of the world. Come to me. Just start spending time with me. Folks, this morning, Jesus is here. And whatever hurdle, whatever giant, whatever mountain it is that you face in life, here today, you can find his peace. Because Jesus has overcome the world. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.